Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 68 was recorded live Thursday, May 26, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 68. Here are some of the articles we'll have in the news. We have a revisit of the town that doesn't seem to want divers. Uh, We have uh, Prince William and Kate did do some scuba diving, giant clams finding new homes, and we have a plane going down in Athens, but it's probably not what you think. And we'll have some other stories along with those in the news. And I'd like to welcome Mac, our dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? Pretty good. Glad to be here. And I understand you got a little diving that we'll be able to talk about farther on in the episode. Oh, we got wet a little, little bit this week. And uh, not not from just overhead showers, but you actually got in the water. Absolutely. Great. And uh, we also have all the way from Egypt, we have Claire, a.k.a. Good morning. Dive oh. Bunny. <laughs> How Good are you morning. Doing? Sorry. Good morning. I'm very well. Great. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on again. That's uh, What time is it over there? It's three in the morning. Three in the so, morning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a little bit early for me at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you, you, you've come on. Uh, now, uh, go ahead. I said it's cool. It's good to chat to you guys. I had great fun last time, so I'm happy to come back. Well, we're glad that you're on here. Uh, we have a little technical problems going on with the chat room, so we're in there in chat. But anybody who wants to listen, we're bringing on into Skype. I'm going to look at doing something different next week. We might actually move in the realm of video or something coming up here in the future. So got a few options I'll be looking, but hopefully we'll have this this audio feed to talk to you fixed by next week, or we'll have another option. But uh, anybody who wants to listen, and if you're in a chat room and you had Skype installed, you don't miss out. We just invite you to Skype, and you can listen that way as well. Let's go ahead and jump on into the news. We'll get that out of the way so we can talk about the the better stuff diving. The first article we have is out of the Stars and Stripes off of Japan. They're warning about doing any scuba diving. Most of the people who don't know, though, Stars and Stripes is, uh, they have a European edition and actually uh, a paper edition anywhere the military forces are at. Mm -hmm. That's what the Stars and Stripes is for. That's normally for the military. In this case, probably mostly the Navy and that, that, area. Yeah, because this is out of the uh, Mishawa Air Base in Japan. The Mishawa leaders are telling service members to stay out of the water, at least temporarily, until they figure out new restrictions being enforced by the Japanese government following the March 11 earthquake and tsunamis that decimated much of the coastline. The base learned of the new restrictions after four Mishawa community members were rescued Monday by the Japanese Coast Guard 13 miles off the coast after they went missing during an ocean kayaking kayaking trip, according to 35th Fighter Wing Commander Colonel Mikan Rothstein. The ban is recreational water activities between the northern tip of the Peninsula Peninsula, to Tokyo until base officials can determine with the Japanese officials the coming days to better understand the restrictions. Police and Coast Guard officials at their Tokyo headquarters said Thursday afternoon that they were unaware of the new restrictions. 
So after that tsunami, that has to be a tough event to keep communication going. Uh, and this seems to be, they said it's not a knee-jerk reaction to a single incident. It's because of the amount of time that they're spending rescuing people, and they just don't have the resources. And they said that it seems to be a little different. It seems that the waters are notoriously dangerous along the coast near the base, and they have regulations in place for banning swimming, scuba diving, snorkeling, and water skiing in the stretch between Hachino City and the peninsula. The rescue came during the deadliest time of the year, the period between May 26th and September 6th, that the service calls the critical days of summer. Now, Mac, do you think this is just normal for that location? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Um, I'm not sure where that is in reference to what we call the Sea of Japan, but mm-hmm. uh, that is a nasty stretch of water out there. I mean, you can have items, like they said, freak waves. That's not unusual to find them out there. You're talking anywhere from 50 to 100-foot wave. Wow. And that's not a tsunami. That's just what it says, a freak wave. Yeah, a freak wave. So that's what I was trying to figure out from the article, if it was something uh, unique because of tsunami or just normal and what's going on. Sounds normal to me because it not only applied, like you said, to scuba diving, but to a lot of the sport type, the kayaking, surfing, jet skiing, it applied to that also. So that must be a rough stretch of water where they're located. Yeah. I was also wondering. You don't know what the tsunami's done. Not the tsunami. You don't know what the the earthquake has done to the actual topography underwater as well. It might have created different topography that can create now new rip tides and things like that, or rip currents. Yeah, that, that, that's an excellent point. I was, I was kind of wondering that as well, if uh, you know, if it was the result of the tsunami, if maybe things had changed. Mm. Uh, I know here in Lake Michigan, we can have different rip currents along the shore, just depending on how the sandbars will form in the spring. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And then this is a next article is a repeat of the one that we've covered many times before. This is from Canada. The council's testing water on scuba restrictions. New rules require divers to tame permits for the 30th side road dock usage. The council will be dipping its toes in a new policy aimed at appeasing Bay Point residents and scuba divers. As we had talked about before, they were proposing that if you were going to go diving on that dock, you had to buy permits, uh, $60 to $110. A $60 permit would buy, it was a six-hour permit, and the $100 was a 12-hour permit. If you're a non-resident, they've now come out that it's a 20% additional fee. So that'd be about $72, or uh, would that be 120 for non-residents? Which, you know, it it, it kind of comes down to the fact where you, you wonder if they even want anybody up there at all. Um, a few more details. They said, we had picnic tables there, wired to the ground with airline cables. They were cut and the tables were stolen. We've had three people die in the last 15 years. I've been a little hard here, but we need it to be. This dock's had a lot of damage done to it. I'm not saying who did it. just seems curious that it's done on certain days of the week. So the scuba divers are being blamed for damaging these docks. Remember but, I tell you, I went ahead and looked that up a little bit. Uh-huh. I wanted to get the diver side. And um, one of the items I found, uh, both on scuba board, they got a forum on it. And there was some other articles, but they're, they're saying here the big... The Big Bay Diving Point, Big Bay Point, will be a hassle next summer thanks to a few local dive shop owners who are uh, have in the past and still doing it, showing up the site early weekend mornings, disturbing the peace with too many students and cars all in one big scuba checkout class dive. So now it starts making sense of what they're talking about, that they're coming uh. in mass, they're taking all the parking spots that are supposed to be normally free, and if you're having massive scuba classes, taking part leaving a, a public dock 
you that can't do anything but screw up the fishermen and anybody else taking a boat out. So that makes sense. Now we're getting a little bit of the the full story. So right, it's, that's the side of the coin. Yeah, because they don't in here they don't say anything in all the articles we've read. It never said anything about local dive shops. It was always making it sound like it was the the people coming on in. Now, if you're a dive shop, I mean, of course they're trying to spend the least amount of money possible, but they could, you know, create some sort of busing. You know, they can have a, a scuba vehicle with all the rental gear there, and you say, "Hey, park here." They had. You uh, know, they can, they can do shore dives. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, guessing. They, they have, um, there's a subset that they talked about speaking with Dan Davison, meaning the guy who made the, the rules. Yep. They went out and, and said, "Here's what they're really going to do and what it means." Um, you want me to go through it real quick? Sure. Let's do that. Uh, they're they're talking about the physical dock will be prohibited from its use from May 15 to the October 15. Diving from the beach will be allowed as well as swimming, but they request, and I, I thought that was funny because I thought it was a law, that a dive flag to be floated and that they're entering to exit in a manner not to interrupt boat traffic as much as possible. Which makes sense. Parking in that lot will be by town permit, and that one is only available to residents of the town. And it says, as it stands now, if you're a resident of the town or have a friend who is, you can park and dive off the beach all you wish. Apparently, parking will be allowed on the 30th side road on one side of the road. This will have to be something they're going to have to get posted because right now they can't. Uh, the town is working out a process to issue permits at a cost for shops and instructors to use at the dock and have the parking available for training. But they're, they're still trying to work that part out because they don't want to get overwhelmed with massive classes. And then it says, all in all, the town is not looking to stop scuba diving per se, However, trying to meet the demands of all its residents. Two major concerns have been, one, no parking, divers and fishermen alike. Number two, the dock is full of crap. Again, divers, fishermen, and swimmers. So that was the synopsis they gave from the diver perspective. Now, was that, was, was that Dan Davidson who did any of that post, or just people were quoting him on the scuba board? Uh, it was said they were speaking with the individual. And again, I'm not exactly sure who he is. Mm-hmm. But at least it was a sync, succinct, and it sounded logical of what they're trying to do and why. Yeah, because it's saying Deputy Mayor Dan Davidson had been pushing for further restrictions. He had wanted the council to prohibit scuba diving for non-residents in the town between July and August and completely banned the practice on public docks on long weekends between May and September. Divers should also have been prohibited from jumping in the public areas throughout the town with the exception of the 30th and the restrictions to a maximum 10 member groups. The council essentially banned scuba divers from using the docks between May 15th and October 15th last year. After Davidson insists they were inundated the area and upset local residents, Davidson will operate a restaurant. Davidson, who operates a restaurant near the dock, also accused divers uh, of damaging town property and refusing to allow other recreational activities in the area. Uh, but others said there was little evidence to warrant harsh penalties against divers. A council member, Rod Boyington, said his heart's in the right place, but we're going a little nuts. We are accusing the divers of stealing our picnic tables and dumping garbage. We are fighting to try to bring business into this town. He said, I agree with the original recommendations of control. Let's not go crazy and toss the baby out with the bathwater. And it looks like there's some signage that's been been put up. Let's see. I saw that a little bit a while ago where they're putting up some, some signage, and it was actually sponsored by a dive group. Didn't see that one. 
Yeah, and there were some other articles where people said other part other parts of the town don't need don't have the problem. They said other locations, Alcona and Bell Ewart, are not prime spots. It docks and Alcona has pay parking and is first come first serve. Bell Ewart has limited parking. So you know, around here, I guess we don't partially have the problem because everything seems to be pay parking. Where if there's a boat ramp, you're paying to be there. So it kind of self. Well, not to mention. I've never seen divers actually working off our boat launches here either. Yeah. Well, I don't think we just I, – I, th- I think our river water just isn't clear enough. Plus, there's other <laughs> spots. I mean, I, you know, we got the DNR ramp on the one side of the St. Joe River, and you have the the other one on the island. And, you know, like when we do our turkey dive, we're, we're farther on downstream. You know, we don't need to tie up the ramp to dive. We can – there's plenty of lake frontage to dive off of. And, and this and sounds – month that we dive – what what dive? What month is the turkey dive? Oh, that is normally November. So yeah, yeah. So uh, ain't too many other crazies out there. No, no. But uh, it seems to be more of a parking problem than necessarily a dock problem. I mean, it looks like they're trying to make excuses why it is. I'm just kind of puzzled why the person who could most benefit by being friendly to the divers is the one that's fighting it the most. He, well, we'll see where it's going to go. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep this following. Minute, this. Yeah, I'd have thought the bars and restaurants would have been packed with all those divers there. But I can understand the logistical side of it. If it's, you know, people are blocking all the parking spaces, maybe they need to look into maybe, I don't know, as they're saying, having some kind of contribution. I know in England, whenever there's a lake, you do have to still pay to use the lake, and that goes towards the maintenance and upkeep of that area. So maybe if the divers are blocking, they need to actually contribute towards maybe providing a larger parking area so more people can do it. Or as you said, bring in buses so that they're not hogging all the parking spaces for more people. Yeah, that, that's pretty normal for here too. You know, we, we're, we're used to paying for, for parking spots. And, uh, you know, and everybody needs to be able to use the resources, whatever your activity is. So. Yeah. Uh, this next article is Prince William and Kate scuba dived with sharks on their honeymoon. Uh, they spent honeymoon hours in the water scuba diving with stingrays, turtles, and sharks. They were in a nature preserve. Uh, the royal pair had many chances to be up and close in touch with water wildlife, reports U.S. Weekly. They got to see wonderful things, says Amanda Hunt, press attaché for the local government. Uh, Prince William is an experienced diver, having taken scuba trips many of the world's famous spots. Such as Kate had obviously a capable dive buddy. They did several dives. There would be uh, bodyguards with scuba gears all around and a few sharpshooters with spear guns just in case of one friendly shark. <laughs> you know, I, I go scuba diving because it's peaceful. I'm t- I mean, you, you've got probably what we would call the UK equivalent of a Navy SEAL team <laughs> following them around. I don't know how, how private or, or uh, relaxing that would have been. Well, did you see the last part where the whole island was closed off and surrounded by safety? No. Like I you said, Big Brother's watching. What was that, Claire? I just meant to feel very bizarre just being surrounded, as Max said, being surrounded by so many security, especially for Kate because she's not used to it. You know, as you say, go somewhere scuba diving where it should be just you and your buddy and you've got your, you know, your SEAL team surrounding you. <laughs> but good that they did it. Yeah. And it's because the royal family have a reputation of being very, very stuck in the mud and not really into doing anything like this sort of thing. So that's really good that they, you know, they've done something that your general public considers to be slightly more risky. Yeah, that that would be amazing with all that activity going on. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it's great for, fish. Yeah, it's great for the sport as well too to have them out there promoting it and showing it as a as a hopefully a popular activity. Mm. And the fact that they dive with sharks as well, you know, people can be a bit touchy about that. And so if they've allowed the future possible future king to dive with sharks, it shows that in the right way it can be a safe yeah. sport. Yeah, my my theory, not, not having dove with sharks, is that as long as I don't look appetizing, I'm pretty safe. <laughs> we don't. That's the bonus about being a diver. We really don't look appetizing to them. <laughs> no, we look probably like a giant rock or something moving around underwater. Yeah, I think more like a, as appetizing as a cockroach would be to you. <laughs> something that if you were completely starving, maybe you would resort to eating, but... <laughs> Something you'd never dream of eating normally. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that somebody might be willing to eat, uh, they have Giant Clam Finds New Home in Owl Bay Golf. <clears throat> and uh, this one is heeding the advice of marine biologists. A private foundation has seeded part of the Owl Bay Golf with 100 giant clams taken from Bolanio town in Pangasini last year. Everybody's got to love me mispronouncing their town names. Hoping I this keep would be... thinking, why do you do that to yourself? I don't know. I <laughs> Just torture, I guess. One, one day I'll be able to do this. I, I need to really do some research on, on some of these names. And if anybody knows how to pronounce it, we, maybe we should have a, a segment where it's correct my pronunciation where if somebody can uh, record an MP3 of themselves and then email it to us, we'll, we'll play the corrected pronunciation uh, in the following show. But uh, seven months later, the, clam, the clams are alive and thriving. Arlie Jarez, uh, recreational director of the Mizabees Coastal Care Foundation, I should just said MCCF, he scored the diving site for the island resort near the Solo Channel and found not a single giant clam. He was told by marine biologist Jerry Reyes, director of the Philippine Commission on Scuba Diving, to seed the area with giant clams as these play an important role in the marine environment. So uh, from what I'm guess- guessing from the article is that the, it's actually just cleaning up the water. Well, I was curious when they said size, but I don't remember what 40 centimeters is in inches. Uh, that would be about... Let's see, that would be about 15 inches, maybe? 16? Okay, they increased in size pretty good then. They were 40 centimeters, so that's 16 inches there about to approximately 55 to 68. That's pretty good growth. Yeah, a couple couple inches there, or in our terms. Craig corrected me. He says uh, 15.7, so I I wasn't too far off. (laughs) So how big are they supposed to get? I don't know. Uh, Maybe, are these... I'm, I'm picturing these would be about the one that you found up in Lake Huron, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> we get huge giant clams here. Um, I'm about a foot, foot wide, about a foot long, maybe half a foot wide. They can be huge here, but it's not cold water, so I guess that helps. Yeah, our, ours are about the, if you, if you ball your fist up, that's about as big as they get. Yeah, still cool. So they said that normally they said they you have a low survival rate of 2% when transplanted. They said that they had 100% make it, and they seeded them a depth of 20 meters. And, and then you see how they moved them. They Each of them were taken carefully from the hatchery, wrapped in cheesecloth, placed in a plastic bag, filled with seawater, then pumped with oxygen before packing in styrofoam containers. <clears throat> Six hours to transplant the clams, transport the clams by land. 
and by air to reach its final destination on the island. So now it sounds like at this new location, they're, they're going to create their own hatchery to increase the stock and provide a livelihood for local fishing families along the coast. I wonder how they fish for them. I wonder if they're, if they're snorkeling or not. 60 feet. That'd be a good dive. <laughs> well, they got some of those sponge divers are, are doing that. Oh, yeah. For all the divers in Japan going into the pearls, they're doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd, it, it, would, it wouldn't be something I could do. Without, yeah, it's without. like any old fat man out there doing that. No. <laughs> I, I don't think I could free dive that deep either. <laughs> I think I could hit it. About 20 feet would be it, and then there wouldn't be much bottom time with that. I'd be pretty much touching down and coming back up. <laughs> On this next one was one that Claire yeah. found. Uh, this was the Project Ship Hunt. And again, like all our articles, we'll have them in the show notes, a link to them. Uh, this one was uh, a program announced by Sony and Intel of an underwater adventure. Uh, in the past, they have had projects like the Rocket Project, where they had students uh, who were space-minded, uh, worked with a mentor to have a chance to launch a rocket. This one is about doing a ship hunt. The Project Ship Hunt is a ship hunt. Got to be careful, pronounce that correctly. A joint adventure between Sony and Intel will empower a group of Michigan high school students to discover historic shipwrecks shipwreck ship sunken ship in the great lakes using sony vio laptops of course considering intel's the other sponsor with intel core processors so they're trying to take advantage of the great lakes plethora of fish wrecks of fish fish wreck shipwrecks uh and so uh and so they're at thunder bay the project will start using the national oceanographic Atmosphere Administration's Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary in Alpena, Michigan, where students will learn skills to help them find and explore a shipwreck. Along the way, the students will have a chance to discover vast, rich history of one of the world's greatest waterways and learn how scientists document and preserve an irreplaceable site for future generations. They will decide which shipwreck to search for and then put their vials to the work. A search for the students is currently underway and will update you once it's assembled. And that's slated for May, so it must be going on right now. And if you follow us on Twitter, one of the promotional people for Intel actually contacted us and said, hey, they'd, he'd be interested in talking about it, so maybe we'll be able to get him on the program. Mac, had you heard about this? I had not, but I, I just remember I heard something else going on in Ontario, and I, I'm trying to remember what it was. I know there's a new project locating two new ships, and I believe it's Lake Erie. Uh, up near the Canadian side, uh, remember the the Scrowd, I think it is, is the the two warships. A couple of years, well, it's been 15 years ago. They found intact on the bottom. The only ones I've known with skeletons got cutlasses on the side of the, the boat, cannon on deck. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same type, but a good bit away from that one. And they found two more, or they found one looking for the second one now. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to remember about that one. That's that's. I was going to get more details on that for later. Well, what I was wondering is if this was, if they're actually going to search for a new wreck, or are they just kind of like it's a simulation where, I mean, it's I don't say it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but there's a lot of wrecks that they got buoyed and they know where they are. So I don't know if they're just kind of backtracking as if they were searching for one of these already found wrecks. Uh, no, also, no. also, neat. yeah, and also it's a little confusing because they have a game which is with Google, where you can actually do sh- some shipwreck hunting online. The game is sony.com forward slash ship hunt. 
uh, and they also have a Facebook site, uh, facebook.com forward slash Sony Electronics. Give you a chance to win real prizes without leaving your laptop. Uh, hopefully we can get this uh, gentleman on and we'll be able to talk about it and find out uh, what it is. Now, do you have anything like that that you've seen going on, Claire? Uh, as in searching for shipwrecks? Or just something as far as educational uh, with students involving underwater? Um, I must admit, with our dive centre, not at the moment. Um, I tell you, what happens every spring, we do have a group that come over, they're actually university students, not to do with shipwrecks at all, but um, they come over and they do a course on uh, managing reef research projects. And they come out each spring and they learn how to assess the reef and do that side of things. But, um, the, with regards to the wrecks around here, there are wrecks that haven't been found. Um, and occasionally they're doing more of a commercial thing, I think, here, <laughs> which maybe not so good. But they, they're companies that will do like a wreck, um, like wreck detective type, looking for wrecks where they, they're pretty certain they are <laughs> to be found in some of the more remote dive, dive sites. Mm -hmm. Now, in, that, in those cases, are wrecks are actually looking for salvage, aren't they? Um, we're not allowed to salvage the wrecks here. They're looking to um, find new wrecks to dive, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, got, it's kind of the same thing that we're doing here on our side of Michigan. Is uh, it's, it's all for selfish reasons. We want something to dive on. Yeah, exactly. And, and the history is interesting. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, even just finding a little thing, you wonder how it got there and, you know, we've got a little barge near our dive centre and I don't know how it's got there. Of course, the first thing somebody asked was, oh, how did it get there? What happened? You know, have to find out. <laughs> exactly. The, the stories are always interesting, trying to, mm. to go through your mind what the last moments of that vessel are or, or how many times it had successfully gone before it, it met its fate at the bottom. Yeah. Okay, on to the next one, which is Louisiana pancake batfish just discovered and it's already endangered. A new species of fish has been put on the top new species of 2011, the Louisiana pancake batfish. Uh, if there's an, ever a name, I've heard one there. Originally thought to be part of a known species of batfish, it was recently concluded that it was indeed its own species. It's a member of the anglerfish family. Uh, it is only measures about four inches long, making it easy to fit in the palm of your hand, resembling a pancake in shape. The skin is modeled with bumps, color variations, providing excellent camouflage, and the sandy ocean debris littered area it inhabits. It, it subsists on a diet of plankton, small crustaceans, gastropods, many of which can be found in the coral reef system that is in its habitat. The most remarkable feature of the batfish is its use of fins, which is more walking than swimming. And I guess that's where they got the name from. Uh, due to its extraordinary camouflage of its body and its propensity to dig in the seafloor, the pancake batfish is rarely seen and collecting samples has been limited. Um, it is found in the tropical areas of lower eastern U.S. states and territories, Caribbean, Mexico, and Central and South America. The problem scientists face is trying to learn more about species that has already endangered a result of the massive oil spill. It is not only direct contact with oil that can kill the fish, indirect effects uh, such as its food source dying or being poisoned or egg sacs being destroyed. So if, for being a newly discovered species, it sure has a large territory. Yeah. It looks not dissimilar to a torpedo ray with wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean they they do have a picture on it. If you if you click on over to yeah. links, they have a picture on it. But it's uh, you know, it's kind of a little unique shape. Cute. So and then they they named it uh, Louisiana. <coughs> so I'm taking it that must be where they originally found it. So I thought they named it after people. When you found a fish, you got the, to be named after yourself, not so much after. Perhaps that person already has the fish. Yeah, or or maybe his name is Louisiana. Maybe. <laughs> Scientists discover the largest assembly of whale sharks ever recorded. Uh, whale sharks, and I'm not going to pronounce the Latin name, are often thought to be solitary behemoths that live and feed in the open ocean. Scientists at the Smithsonian Institute and colleagues, however, found this not necessarily the case. Finding whale sharks can be gregarious and amass in hundreds to feed in coastal waters. The largest ever reported had 420 individuals off the coast of Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. And uh, as you can imagine, what brings them together is food. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to picture, you know, one of these these animals just has to be absolutely amazing. Uh, could you imagine diving with 400 of them? I can't. Well, I know they're plankton eaters. Looking at that picture, I don't think I'd want to be in the middle of them. Yeah, it's yeah. I. You see the size of them versus that boat? Yeah, that boat, I'd say that, I mean, just guessing by the outline of the boat, that's probably a good 60, 80 foot boat, or maybe even say it's a 30 or 40 foot boat. I mean, they just dwarf that. They are huge. It's the tail you have to be careful of, particularly, because obviously a whack from that, a gentle (laughs) tap from it, in fact, is likely to knock you out. So you do have to treat it with respect. I've had my regulator knocked out my mouth by Jim. Uh, <laughs> the tail is pretty much, it, it's hopeless. I'll, I'll probably lose my whole tank. <laughs> so, but excellent. It's nice to, that they can get a, a photo of this and get a little bit more understanding of those those creatures. Mm, Freaking yeah. amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. They say the, the longest growing more than 40 feet long. Absolutely amazing. And this, uh, I will go ahead and skip an article. We'll jump to the... The other one, which is more than 500 lionfish have been captured. Uh, lionfish here in the southeastern part of the United States is an invasive species. Some of these websites... You know, they say captured. I keep wondering, because captured to me normally means I put them in a net or a box and I can put them back. But I'm looking at the cooler. It doesn't look like they've been captured, did they? Oh, they've been... They're captured. <laughs> I think a lot of these programs are actually coming along with a uh, cooking thing. There's been a a big push to get people to develop a taste for them. They're supposed to be quite tasty. You know, they figure if they, if being an invasive species, if they get them down to some sort of reasonable numbers, because uh, they're just pigs from what I understand. They just like to sit on the reefs. Uh, they said the tough thing about fishing for them is that the, the, the lionfish are so lazy they don't go after any bait. So uh, it's <laughs> much up to going after them with nets or divers with spear guns, uh, taking them that way. Well, they said appetizers of fried lionfish bites and lionfish wrapped in bacon were prepared for sampling. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I th- you know, anything wrapped in bacon always seems to taste better. I'm not sure my cholesterol would agree with that. <laughs> By the end, okay, so it was Sunday afternoon. They had 10 dive teams. By the end of the day, 500 invasive and predatory fish had been speared or netted by participants who traveled throughout the southeast for the event. Well, one group made 100 and what was it, 158 themselves out of. Yeah, let's see, 158 and received the grand prize, a thousand dollars in cash. So, Mac, yeah, to answer your point, uh, due diligence paid off. 
hitting 75 spots. They came up with a top count of 158 line fish, and they received a grand prize for 1000 in cash. So being the locals definitely paid off in, in that event. I wonder if there's some way they could rig it. I mean, would they, like, put little leashes on them and then tie them to spots? Or? That would be a little hard. <laughs> a little kind of like safari hunting in the old days where they would uh, tie the – tie the animal and then shoot them there so but uh yeah these uh these lionfish are getting to be quite invasive so they've got a few more events planned up for the year so watch out if you happen to be down there and you can get in on it i saw an article the other day where they're actually trying to train the sharks to eat the lionfish so i don't know how that's going <laughs> yeah i'm i'm picturing i don't know how you would gosh i mean that's a pretty hardcore shark because they are poisonous yeah and i, I picture them the being kind of boggled. And I'm picturing being kind of a little boiny, uh, bone, boiny, bony and uh, hard to eat. So. And I can't imagine particularly tasty either. Yeah, Craig, Craig in the chat room is saying sharks with laser beams tied to their heads. I kind of have just seen that. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be something. I, I would, I would love to see that. So that, that's an excellent idea. Okay, and then the, the, the one for last is we have a plane going down in Athens, and this one is a scheduled. Sink. Well, I like the way they, they put it out there. Park officials plan to load a Beechcraft Hawker jet with 10 scuba divers and crash that baby into the eight-acre eight lake. <laughs> I got my attention. It does. It's like, what did you have to do wrong as a scuba diver to be crashed into a lake? Well, wait a minute. Nobody asked me. That might be fun, but... Well, <laughs> I didn't say I wouldn't do it, but uh, to be volunteered into it. It's a dart bus. A how? Oh, they, they said the lake already contains two other planes: a dart bus, a houseboat, mm-hmm. three sailboats, and two cabin cruisers. So there's a good training exercise. They said, don't worry about the divers. The plane will not be flying at cruising altitude before taking a nosedive at 200 miles an hour. Machines will lower the plane into water in a controlled submersion. That will happen May 28th, which is two days from now. What's that? Uh, uh, Saturday? Is that? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, Memorial Day in the the U.S. Uh, Renegade Band drops downbeat at 3 p.m., so stick around and uh, watch for your Sunday entertainment. Once the plane is there, the Hawk will serve as a rescue training gown, so to speak, so it'll be underwater after all. So I'm trying to figure out, is the eight divers in it part of the training exercise, or is it is it something that people just volunteered for and said, I'd like to go down? Well, remember that we've been talking about taking that one boat, getting in it, Pulling the plug mm-hmm. while we got a gear on and then video when it's sinking while we're in the boat. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Could be something like that. That'd be awesome. That would be. So Maybe I, it's a bit like um, they did an experiment where they had a scuba diver in a car. You know when the, the suggestion is that if you drive into the lake, by, drive into lake, if you find yourself falling into water in your car, they say that you should wait till you get to the bottom and – then open the doors and get out rather than trying to force against the pressure. Wait, I believe wait until even if it fills up with water, then open the doors because the pressure will be equalized. And um, on Top Gear, they actually did that as an experiment and it doesn't work. Yeah. So maybe they're trying to do something like that. And doing obviously the scuba divers in the plane means that they're obviously still going to be able to breathe. So there's not going to be a problem with holding their breath and trying to get out of the plane. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that Top Gear where they were talking about that. That's where they had that segment from uh, Mythbusters, wasn't it? Mm, yes. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that uh, I, I would definitely love to do that. Mm, that looks like quite cool. Quite a cool dive. It would be. 
So that, it gives me all sorts of ideas. I, I've got a little project I'd like to figure out how to do related to a boat uh, sinking like that. Uh, you know, g- given enough time and money, I can make it happen. <laughs> well, do you so, see that picture of the uh, scuba park? The scuba park? Yeah. If you go to their link, their website, mm-hmm. man, you can. that's a much better shot. And you can actually see the airplanes they already have down there and stuff. I think there ought to be some kind of log against you being able to see the bottom like that, though. I mean, that looks like you can see the bottom everywhere in that little quarry. I don't think that should be allowed. But well, uh, we're going nice. to mar- mark that up to <laughs> just exceptionally sunny weather. You know, just a freak occurrence. They 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 aren't allowed to have it to be that nice. Well, even both. Wow, oh my gosh, I see what you're saying, Mac. I I clicked on that link and it's even more visible than the other one. Isn't that neat? Whoa, that's nice. You know, I'd have to say that's about the layout of of uh, Hague Quarry in Illinois, isn't it? It looks very know, similar. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to go someplace where I can see like that. That's like an aquarium. Oh, that is. Oh well, someday I'd, li- I'd like to find something around here. Uh, with the rain we've been having, we got flood flood watches on all the rivers around here. So you're not going to see that to- sort of visibility in any inland water lake. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how the Great Lakes are going to be. It's cold out there. 61 surface temperature around here, and that was that was the warm part. So, well, that does it for the news, so we'll go ahead and slip into the part of the program where we talk about last week's dives. So I'll get mine out of the way in that I didn't have any last week. Uh, it was a bye week for me, but uh, Claire, I'm sure that you had some dives, didn't you? I did still too. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did have a few days off. I went up to Nuevo, which is why I couldn't come on last week, which was lovely, and we did no diving. But then, since then, I've been working every day, so I've been diving every day. But I think the one, I've, I've been guiding some guys from Scotland, half of whom have never been here. So it's really lovely to be with people who are seeing this sort of stuff for the first time. Really, really lovely. You know, they're bowled over by it, so that's nice. And um, we did the Thistleborn the other day, which is a World War II shipwreck. And that's really quite spectacular. It's, you know, you've got everything there, tanks, bombs, trucks, and motorbikes, trucks containing motorbikes, welling boots, it's just a lot. And obviously still heaving with fish as well, so that's quite cool. And they love that, obviously, because they, they're into their wreck diving as well. So that was really, really cool. And it's been a busy week. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. Uh, mm. It's always been amazing. What kind of look do they have on their face? Now, you said it was the first time down there. Have they yeah. have they dove in that type of visibility before? Or was it their first time? No, the the dive leader he's got two hundred dives and he did his first wetsuit dive on our first day of diving. Oh. He's like, I feel naked. Oh. <laughs> he loved it. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah, they just they just keep saying it's like diving in an aquarium, you know, because it's the visibility is good and obviously there are lots of fish, so. They really are blown away by it. It's really, really nice to see because you, which I try my best not to get blasé, but it is easy to forget just how how good the, the fish life is here. So it'll, it's, it's it'll, great. It'll be interesting if you keep in touch with them to find out if you've ruined them for life. You know, if he goes back home and he and he just goes, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they also they all seem really keen. They do a lot of diving up in Scotland. They have regular trips up to Scapa's Flow, so I really hope we haven't ruined it for them. <laughs> They're just going to have to keep coming back every so often. For well, that, that, that will have to be the fix. Stuff. 
<laughs> come on in and, and, and have a fix of some some clear water diving. See, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mac, that's what I'm kind of afraid of. Uh, you know, if I if I get used to that visibility, I was almost ruined up by uh, when we did our. Uh, oh gosh, I, I'm, now I'm having a mental block of what that name was. Where do we go diving up north? Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Yeah, I mean that that one that got pretty close to ruining me. I, that was like 60 feet vis in a couple spots. So you know, and you and everybody and starts saying. We get you on some deeper. We get you on some deeper wrecks up there this year. You're gonna go nuts all. Yeah. Yeah, because we got in the St. Andrew, and that one that one was pretty nice. Well, we so, get you up on the Cedarville. I think you're really going to go nuts. So. Oh, They oh, had 70-foot yeah. uh, visibility up there last week. Oh, yeah. Well, what kind of dives did you get in this week, Mac? I got a couple. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> I, I, I see the post uh, to the I, Mud Club site, so I know you got more than two in. Yeah, well, I was uh, checking out the fire lanes over at Barron Lake for us and did some pictures. So I dove one of the fire lanes. Uh, that I had never dove before, and it's 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 good for a leaky wetsuit. Down to about 20 feet past that, though, you started wishing you had your winter wetsuit. <laughs> so you weren't diving in your winter wetsuit. I'm sorry. You're you're not diving in your winter wetsuit. Well, I, I switched off uh, about three or four dives ago, back to the one I used to use for ice diving, except it's got so many holes in it now. It's sort of like a sieve. Ah. Uh. But. Uh, we did hit Barren Lake. Uh, Barren Lake was pretty nice. Uh, actually, I found a couple of what I think is zebras in there, which sort of surprised me. Uh, the weed line out there off the off the slope uh, is starting to grow. They're about five feet already. Mm-hmm. And considering last month, it was two and a half. Yeah. So they're starting to unwind and come back towards the surface. Uh, but that was pretty decent. Then I went back out to LNE Bay, back to your haunts. And I've done two dives out there. I went to the straightaway and off to the right. And I went to the left on the second dive like you guys did. Mm-hmm. And uh, the temperature was the same as the air, which is 60. So I wasn't bad. And uh, you had to get out at least in 12 foot of water to start clearing the weed. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. That, that it, makes sense there. Yeah. If you were dragging a goodie bag in your, in your line, uh, it got tangled in the weeds. And then you're increasing your drag quite a bit. But even when you got out deeper, you only had about three feet, and that was before mucking. And you definitely want your compass out there. Now, now you got into the clay banks at Papa Lake this time. Yep, I went. I'll say the next ones after that were the uh, clay banks off the uh, Papa Lake Yacht Club. And again, uh, down to about 15 to six, uh, to 20 feet was maybe 60 degrees. After that, that thermocline kicked in really good. Uh, visibility there was six to eight feet, except when you're in the weeds. Uh, but the clay banks was good enough for two dives out there. I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. And we need to get some people who've never been there but hear about it. Need to get you in there this year. Yeah, I don't think I've been to the clay banks. I don't think I've been to anything nope. called clay banks. I keep hearing all these stories about the clay banks in Lake Michigan and the clay banks in Pawpaw, and I haven't been to either of them. Yeah. This is definitely different, and it'll be – it's one of those, wow, didn't realize that was here. And I did put a picture of that one. Uh, on the 24th, I put one up in aerial photography, and that, that area, that little uh, triangle plume out there, which is almost at the, the exact site, uh, not sure where that color came from because I don't remember seeing it when I was taking the picture, mm-hmm. but that's just in the area of the uh, of the banks, and it's really like a channel cut through the clay, but it is different in different spots, so you'll find it quite interesting. I, I bet I will. And then I saw that you had one final dive uh, in Kalamazoo. Yep. Last yesterday we went for the uh, SAS dives on Wednesday evening. 
and I met uh, Richard Curtis up there. And we, we snuck right between the tea storms because we got there. And the park rangers have already opened up the place, but they wouldn't let us suit up or anything until 15 minutes after the last thunderbolt. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say they waited until you had been an hour after you ate. No, no. In this case, they wanted to wait. I mean, they were really serious about that 15 minutes, too. It's like, don't even take your gear down to the waterline until 15 minutes. Well, I guess but, it's... Uh, it was, mm-hmm. I guess it's good that they were concerned with your safety, but... Uh... Well, liability, yes. I can see what they had to do. But after the dive and we're looking at some of the paraphernalia we brought up, that's when they start talking. Well, how come he didn't go by the bottle dump? It's like, because nobody told me there was one. Yeah, it's down there where the Navy used to bring in their ducks. I said, nobody told anything about building ducks and putting them in there. So I got to do a little research on that lake. It looks like that could be good. Which ducks... Docks here in, in that uh, Campbell Lake? No, the, the four-wheel docks that you drive in uh-huh. with the soldiers and stuff, they had those. They used to build those out there, and there's a river that cuts into it. So they used to drive into the river and then motor on out to the lake. Huh, and a few didn't make it? Well, he didn't say anything about that, but if you got sailors and stuff, that means you probably got booze bottles out there. Oh, <laughs> I see. I see what you're with going printers, at. Tools, other items that might have fallen off the boat. But uh, then he proceeds to tell us, I need to follow this guy around because he's lost a watch. That was last week in that same place. Uh, He he has an idea where it's at. He had a lawn chair blow off his boat. He lost one of his tackle rigs. The fish got it, and he wasn't paying attention to the pole and pulled it in. So you could follow him around and do quite well, I think. Yeah, it sounds like it. We're going to have to go back there. Uh, We were looking at it from the perspective where we got the um, club steak fry coming up. In August, uh, this place has some shant not shanties, but um, pavilions. Doesn't cost anything to rent them. You have to put a deposit down, but it's got that. It's got outdoor bathhouses, so the ladies will like that. Uh, a lot of shade, a lot of park benches. So it might be an option for uh, the club picnic. I've, it sounds good to me. I mean, we I haven't been there, so I'm up for any new spot. Not that uh, our other lake and locations weren't good. Well, you figure go lake though has got it's deeper, and you've got you know you got the railroad tracks, you got all the boats out there, the shanties to look at. <clears throat> this is new territory here, and you really had to get out to 20 feet to get away from the weeds. They were that high out there, and the bottom is your normal muck. So if you don't take your probes, you're not going to find anything. So Rick uh, Richard was doing compass courses, and I was out there mucking, but it was fun. Well, it sounds and, uh, like he it. Says, He'll never go back to the wetsuit, though. Yeah, rub it in. You know, Richard, we'll have to give him some grief on that one. Well, i got to give me a dry suit, I suppose. Well, I do, too, and I know Jim does. So this has got to be the year. I said that last year, but it's it's this year. So I'm, I'm trying to get with some of the dry suit manufacturers and see what kind of information they'll, they'll fess up to. Maybe we can get some inside lines on, on uh, some dry suit information this year. So that's one of my next so projects. Yeah, the dives are pretty good. We're looking, uh, really hadn't got anything firmed up yet, but uh, the better weather is supposed to be uh, Sunday and maybe Monday. So we're thinking about there's some people want to get out with the boats and maybe take a run down to the wreck mm-hmm. and or go up to the Havana. Uh, I was flying over the Havana early in the week. Uh, there was a boat anchored out there on it. Uh, wasn't anybody I know. And then I had another one I could see making a beeline from uh, Benton Harbor straight to the uh, buoyed one. So it looks like it's getting some uh, visitors already. Havana, really? 
I know. I just feel like we're the only divers in the area sometimes. So I know there are more than that. I see the license plates on the cars. Yes, we know. If you don't dive over 10 times a year, you should turn it off. (laughs) Exactly. You have to qualify for that license plate. So stay current. Yeah. What is it? If you've got a tank in your closet, you can consider yourself a diver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'd like to see people dive a little more than that. So. Claire, what kind of diving do you have scheduled this week? I, I hear you have a, something for tomorrow morning. Yeah, we're going up to Dahab tomorrow. So um, it's an early start. And we drive, it's about 100 kilometers away, but not on motorway. It's through des- like a desert road. Um, they've made it quite a sort of speedy road now. So we drive through the desert to Dahab and we have a couple of shore dives. We do the, there's one called the Canyon, which is... It's a nice shallow reefy dive to start with. And then in the middle of the reef, there's just this big crack that we can drop into and have a look through, which is really lovely. The topography there is really what gets me. And um, and it's just really, it's not anything technical or anything too difficult. And as you come out, you get that whole cave diver kind of blue effect going on. And when you're inside, you get this sort of shafts of light coming down, which is rather nice. And then we're going to go up to the Blue Hole, which is more famous for its tech dive. It's got, um, it's, it's basically a, a blue hole in the reef and plunges, it's about nearly 200 metres deep, it's about 180 metres deep, which in feet is, oh, what's that? Just convert that to Probably feet. about 500 and some. Yeah, it's, it's deep. And um, it has a cave, a, a tunnel. We're, we're not going to do this dive. It's got quite famous for people going down too deep, trying to swim through this tunnel that leads to the outer part of the reef. Um, and it starts, the, ca- the cave actually starts relatively shallow, but is a lot longer than it looks and ends up deeper. So what can happen is people get narked about halfway through. So obviously we're not going to do that dive. We're going to do like a tame version of it where we trundle along, we walk along with our kit on about 100 metres down the way, and we get into like a mini blue hole. It's like a, a little tube in the reef, but it's open. You can come out at any point if you like. And if you drop down head first at 26 metres, which I think is nearly 100, meet, 100 feet, you've got like a little arch, a mini arch. You can go through that, and then we follow the wall and then come into the blue hole via, via the outside reef in the shallows, so about 8 metres, so... 30 feet and come back into the blue hole and there's some nice reef there some coral and then as we come through the blue hole you can see all the free divers meandering down to god knows what depth they're going to wow. uh, on one breath with no tank <laughs> so that's quite nice then we chill out have lunch and then drive back again get back here by the evening oh so that sounds that sounds fun. so nice yeah it, it, it's really nice it's amazing just an hour up the coast and you've got different life already you know you get it's about a degree cooler than Sean so you get more on the way of sort of um, plant life more algae and sort of seaweed type stuff and lots of very little scorpion fish really well disguised which is always a challenge for us to try and find them so yeah it's nice and, and as I said the topography is very different to Sean so it makes a change Excellent. Mm. And then, then after that, you have your normal perfect dives and and shop going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Not sure what I'm up to. I've got a friend who's over here who used to work here, so I might go for a little fun dive with her off the beach. I've got 
I'm going to ask for a couple of days off after the this week. It's been quite a busy week, so I might have a weekend. And um, on one of those days, I might take her off to the beach for a little fun dive because there's some really nice stuff to see there. All very, very shallow, but really pretty. So we've got a couple of huge turtles that seem to have moved in, and we'll go and find them and have a look at them, take some photographs. <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, this uh, Max, now you you mentioned the Havana. Yes. So is that so? You're thinking about going out maybe one of the days this weekend out in Lake Michigan. Uh, we're probably going to do a test run with uh, Jim's boat on Saturday, mm-hmm. possibly Saturday. Make sure everything's running good. Either way, if it is, we we're going to like to get out, and if nothing else, rescan the uh, intakes there at Benton Harbor, mm-hmm. and take the crowbars down and go get the anchors we left last time. Ah, okay. Because that would be pretty close to the pier if we need to get back in or run out of gas. But if you got a lot of boat traffic and they want to run out to the Havana, well, then safety in numbers, we could run out there and see if their sand is uncovered anymore of that. So I think um, Ken wants to get out, and I think, um, oh, God, who else wants to get out there? Larry probably, but probably not on Sunday. He's got church until late in the afternoon. Uh, Scarlet, he'll probably want to get out. So we could get a couple of boats out. Okay. Uh, well, I, I've been talking with Bob this week, and it, he wants to get up and do the Ann, not the Ann Arbor Five. Uh, he wants to do Ironsides. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so we're talking about doing it Saturday. Uh, Kurt can't go on Saturday, but he can go Sunday. But Bob can't go Sunday. He can go Saturday. Uh, <laughs> so then... Bob calls me up last night and says, well, how about Monday? Well, I can't do Monday. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, You should go every day, and the school can't go one day, doesn't go, and the other one does. Well, exactly. I mean, we got enough boats and organization. But, uh, yeah, with gas prices the way they are, the Ironsides, it's quite a haul out there, up there. But it'd be nice to get on that one. So yeah, uh, I, it's, it's a nice wreck, a very nice wreck. Yeah. Well, so is the Harbor 5, too, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that one that one's another great one. So uh, hopefully we get some the weather plays around a little bit better with us. We've been having rain the last three or four days. So uh, you know if we keep the For waves five down. Five or six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah, I, well, the, the, we we're getting at least a little sun in between. But uh, yeah, we've got flooding. I mean, all the the farm fields. I think there's some farm fields here that haven't been, had any seed thrown in them yet. So it's a wet spring. Definitely. Uh, yeah, hopefully we don't end up with, like, I remember one year we had a wet spring just like this, and then we didn't get rain for the next two months, and we ended up with a drought. So we need a little balance going on this year. Seems like I'm mowing the lawn every three days now. Yeah, well, I, I mowed two nights ago, and I'm going to have to mow again tomorrow. Yeah, first dry spell. Uh, yeah, first, first dry spell it gets, I need I need to do it. Uh, got the new mower and the longer deck, so hopefully I can cut that, that mowing time down, and then uh, that'll give me more dive time. Now, remember how I warned everybody they weren't allowed to get married this summer? Yeah. Guess guess what my niece does? She gets engaged, and she's going to have the wedding in fall. So congratulations to her, uh, Becca and Garth. But now that's going to cut into one of my dive weekends. I know it. So I No, don't... all you do is you buy a ladder, you put an envelope on the top of the ladder, and suggest <laughs> they use it. <laughs> get them to get married at your dive sites. <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, we might, I might lose you guys again. Craig dropped off. Oh, yeah. well, so far we still got you. Okay, but yeah, that that so uh, 
Yeah, I, they they obviously don't listen to the program. Otherwise, they would have known not to to get engaged and married this fall. So, or you know where, or you know where your pecking order is in their in their life. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure that that ever that even came up. <laughs> but uh, I I can I can live in my own fantasy world and pretend I have that sort of influence. But I can do anything I want, and I have my wife's permission to say so. <laughs> 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 I might have to love you and leave you, I'm afraid. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to say goodnight, guys. And okay. Love you and leave you and have a little kit before I head off for work. <laughs> okay. Been great chatting to you again. Well, th- thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to hearing about your dive on the Havana next week, Mac, or next time we get to chat. Okay. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Be safe. Um, so well, we closed up the the program no, no, or what? No, no. I we got to finish the last little segment, and then we'll be done. Uh, oh no, I, not not the job. Yeah, well, I I think actually she uh, was that, that she was dodging the bad scuba joke. <laughs> so uh, she, you can you can tell she's getting a little experience with the program now. She knew exactly the right time to jump off. <laughs> time is so, everything. Yeah, well, it's recorded, so we can always make her listen to it. With that, uh, do you have any final things? Oh, uh, before we go, of course, you can, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash goob obsessed. Uh, you can follow Claire on Facebook, uh, Dive Bunny, Dive Bunny. So uh, Dive Bunny, and that's, uh, I believe, Bunny. Well, here, here, easiest way, just go to scubaobsessed.com. You, it's got no Y in there. It's no Y, it's I E. Yeah, Dive Bunny, www.divebunny, B-U-N-N-I-E.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Dive Bunny. Uh, I'm Darren Jilson on Twitter, D-A-R-R-I-N-J-I-L-L-S-O-N. And you can follow the podcast site at Scuba Obsessed. Uh, of course, we have our Scuba Obsessed website, scubaobsessed.com. Uh, also, click on over there, take a look at some of the swag. We have some swag posted up on Zazzle. I know some people have bought it. If you could let me know how you like the products, it'd be great to get some sort of feedback and also type of products you'd like us to add if there's anything on there. So on that, I think it's time for that part of the show, the bad scuba joke of the week. Are you ready, Mac? Ever ready. Let me put my bite part in first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't, you, you got it in. So, so any convulsions, you won't bite your tongue or, or injure yourself. Okay, here we go. A scuba diver in a taxi tapped the taxi driver in the shoulder and asked him about the travel time to a dive site. The driver screamed, lost control of the cab, nearly hit a bus, drove up over the curb, stopped just inches before a large plate glass window. For a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. Then the driver said, please don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. The uh, diver, who was also frightened, apologized and said he didn't realize that a tap on the shoulder could frighten him so much. To that, the driver replied, I'm sorry, it's really not your fault at all. Today is my first day driving a cab. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. (laughs) That's good. So we get your attention with that. <laughs> it sure does. So thank you for listening. So for Jim, Claire, Mac, and myself, go out there and get wet. Stay safe.
and that is the end.